nice to hear you, Alice. I'm going to see you in a few days. I know. What's this? What's the situation that I'm missing out on here? <laughs> well, Ed happens to be reading in Omaha the night that Dan and I are flying back to the Midwest, and we're flying into Omaha, so we're going to go to his reading. Oh my God! Fantastic. Yeah. Not it's crazy. Very felicitous. Yeah, I would love mm-hmm. to see you guys in Nebraska. I've never seen any of you guys in Nebraska before. No, I've never seen you in Nebraska either. Although nope, I did nope. a, I did an episode. Uh oh, what happened? We lost Alice. Alice. Not supposed to press the button, Alice. Yep. Can you hear me? Oh, there she is. Did Hi. I help? Yep, you're back. I I think I messed with the microphone. Yeah. Anyway, uh, you were saying uh, uh, about the... I did a lunchbox episode from Nebraska from my parents' house there once, I remember. Oh, yeah, I think I recall that. Because I was in my, my, my childhood room that had all of my little brother's self-portraits up in it. Right, right. That might have been the one that Ed... What, the only one ever that Ed was not on. No, I, d- Ed- I, list- I listened to it real good, though. <laughs> You've been because I have subbed in for Ed twice. I remember because oh, every really? I I was like, oh, every time Ed is like, oh, I'm busy, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, sometimes I'm busy. I'm a very, very important person, and sometimes I have to be, you know, have to be elsewhere. <laughs> this is an age that needs uh, poets to take the lead. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Is it's very snowy in Portland, Ed? Are you here too? No, I just was wondering. <laughs> the snow's gone. I can see a little divot of snow over on the first tee on the golf course across from my house. Um, but aside from that, all of the snow and ice that has paralyzed us, I haven't left the house for four days, uh, but it all melted overnight, and it's now about 45 degrees. Oh, wow. Um, but it was... It was uh, the snow came very fast, and then the, the snow was only here briefly, and then there was ice, and there was days and days of ice, an inch of ice on everything. Ugh. How how common is such weather in Portland? It happened last year. Yeah. I've been here two years, so by my uh, reckoning, annually it happens. <laughs> <laughs> but only once? Once annually? Once annually. The first annual... Ice festival. Yeah. Well, we had My fun. We we got to go sledding before the before the uh, freezing rain really began. So we got a few hours of sledding in. Um, I hadn't really thought ahead. Jill was out of town. Ended up being out of town for five days, and uh, I hadn't gone to the grocery store. And so we were <laughs> eating all sorts of weird stuff <laughs> towards the end there. Like what? Well, we ate all the pickles. <laughs> I uh, made uh, I made some rolls that were sort of almost flourless because we only had so much flour. Um, like so, they were like a like a unleavened. Or yeah, they were they were hard to eat. Unleavened hard to eat. Arizona. Lots of hard, hard to eat, but we uh, are you making a seven Arizona joke? I, I said unleavened Arizona. I was suddenly you suddenly reminded me of. Um, Raising Arizona. You know what my friend, Seven Arizona? No, you have a friend named Seven Arizona? 
He changed his name to Seven Arizona. Uh, that's amazing. Point. Yeah. That's <laughs> a good one. His, it rem- <laughs> go ahead. It reminds me of something very funny. I'm going to see if I can find it. But our, my, you, you know Nathan Arizari, Ed. Yeah, right. He's, yeah, yeah. he's a kind of a, a he's a wonderful guy. He's like a Missoula character a little bit, but he um, he was in the MFA program at Montana, and he he works in the English office, and mm-hmm. he has these two not so kids named Lux and George. But he, oh, Alice, I'll, I'll continue the story for yeah. her. <laughs> okay, uh, go on. Named Lux and George, who lived uh, um, across from Sacagawea Park, right next to the the Roselle. Uh, the Roselle apartments. Yeah. Right next to them. And, yeah. Uh, they, you can see Lux and George, like their backyard from the Roselle. Maybe yeah. they don't know that, but can you hear me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hi. I can hear you now. You oh, dropped okay. out. Yeah. We're just ignoring you now. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. No, but, but he made a, he made a list of all the names that Lux had, uh, was like, using in her pretends or something when she's like a three or four year old. And they're so funny. I'm going to see if I can find these on Facebook. You guys could talk about something else. Well, I'll tell I- you that the seven Arizona, um, changed his name to seven Arizona from the already fantastic Steve Converse. <laughs> what? <laughs> Steve Converse was not enough of an excellent name already. So he became seven Arizona. I think he is, he is, uh, uh slumped back into being merely, Steve Converse. Uh, Owen once wrote, one of my favorite things that my my son Owen has ever done uh, was a list he made to amuse himself or a friend, I think, uh, several years ago of uh, 100 jazz pianists. (laughs) And uh, just imaginary jazz pianists. And I have it it on my phone at all times. Um, Some of them are just just these random... uh, um, (laughs) <laughs> these are just random I'm sorry I'm laughing at them as I'm looking at them these are just random selections the um, the Boston Jazz Phantom <laughs> uh, Palm Tree Aikison uh, Loot Loot Filet Away Paul Mao <laughs> Salty Ha <laughs> Poxing Bellicose Bon Withering <laughs> The Agent uh-huh. Professor Excellent. <laughs> it's great. Wendy he's Van Whistle. Yeah. yeah it, Professor Excellent is great, but he's not much more than great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's good. Um, he's very, very good. Let's say he's very, very good. So I, I, I can say, and clearly Owen has inherited this, or maybe he's, he's, maybe he's just generated his own uh, genetically unrelated version of it, but boy, do I appreciate a silly name. Um, yeah. But this well, makes... Well, it reminds me of the, like, when I looked, I was looking at John Cage on Spotify and the related artists, I was like, these are not real people. I mean, obviously, I don't know that much about, like, experimental composers, but I was like, mm-hmm, sure. Like, Giannis Zanakis, that's a, that's a person. I'm looking at it now. Terry Riley. But see, if you knew who these people were, then the, no, that's not funny, because they're like, you're just stupid. Carl Heinz Stockhausen. Uh, they definitely but do it, found like fict- sound like fictional characters from yeah. a novel about avant-garde composers. Yeah, I mean, so- they sound like a list of jazz pianists. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I found the little list of the... Oh, so, so Nathan said, so these are Lux's baby names. I think she was three or four, that whenever she plays a game with her doll or has a character, she names them. So he made a little list. 
so uh, Frieden, Therina, <laughs> Sefs, which is spelled S-E-F-S, uh, Esha, Ashlyn, Eslissa, <laughs> Siva Luna Irizari. Eslissa. is Isalina Wizana. Arizonan. <laughs> Sevi. Sevil. Medi. Shailene. And then there are a bunch of twins. Amanda and Formanda. 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 Break and Angeline. Maylene and Shailene. <laughs> Uh, but I, I love the kind of funny overlap between like just sort of hick names and like sci-fi ish names <laughs> where like Shailene, like that's a name, <laughs> but like Seth's like, whose name is that? I do think, uh, since sci-fi hicks are going to be a big part of our future now, yeah. uh, I think that, uh, I think this is, she, she's, she's got a place waiting for her in this big old world. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Arizonan is yeah. so good. <laughs> how, how, how do you spell Arizonan? It's spelled exactly like Arizona with an N. <laughs> <laughs> Arizona. I, I thought it might have an E at the end. Well, I like that it's just like Arizona is a beautiful name, but Arizonan even better. <laughs> it sounds like a, a brain chemical that, that kicks in when you retire. Right. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's precisely what it is. Like Tri-Floridian. <laughs> yeah. Idahonian. In, <laughs> in Idaho, they're called Idahoans, but some people say Idahonian. That's an alternative. I, I I've in, never heard that. That's good. I was in Idaho. I, I visited Idaho. Oh, where did you go? Very recently. Are you in a book tour, I, Ed? Are you book touring? I did, three, I did three readings, consecutive yeah. nights, Spokane, Washington, Auntie's Books. Great nice. place. Great place. Missoula, Montana, Shakespeare and Company. Favorite. Wonderful. Boise, Idaho, the Ghosts and Projectors reading series at Ming Studios. Nice. Tell us, tell us about that, because I haven't heard of it. About Boise? About Ghosts and Projectors. <laughs> Ghosts and Projectors are a reading series. They they seem to do three or four readings a year. They've got some funding. And they have it at a nice, a hip little studio where people are doing all sorts of fabrication. And they had uh, an art installation from, of uh, burnt logs that were mm. nice. Pressed, you pressed the button and steam filled the room, which was great. A great wow. effect for the, the reading that I did not use until it was too late. Would have been a nice addition to the reading. I've got them here on uh, on the Facebook, and I see a uh, see a listing for your uh, for your reading. No photos yet, though. Yeah, it was nice. It seems that everyone is reading uh, at a um, uh, at a lectern that has a, a sign on it, a framed printed sign that says "The Cabin." Is there an explanation for that? I think the cabin is an, an, a different location where they have also held the readings. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I liked Boise. It's a nice town, Alice. It's all right. I mean, it's very far away from where I grew up. Uh, oh. I mean, I grew up in Moscow, so, which is oh, like, that's you, right. That's right. you can't get from Boise to Moscow by car. So 
it's I don't know. I don't I have I've been there, but it's oh, not okay. like you're in Moscow. That's yeah. Cool. I had a, a I, I eleven had a, hour drive. Oh, I had a I had a dickens of a time getting to um Boise. Yeah. From Missoula, I thought that I could do it, um, I think in the summer, you could do it in six hours. You could go over Lolo Pass, Highway 12. Sure. Mm-hmm. Go uh, over down into Orofino, the home of the Orofino Maniacs. The big, big dam. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Or I could have gone down the Bitterroot and gone over from Sula to Salmon and then down to uh, um, Twin Falls and over. Yeah. But because it it, it uh, was snowier than I expected, my uh, my my driving partner Travis, we had to go over to Butte and down mm-hmm. to Pocatello, down the Big Hole Valley, to Pocatello to Idaho Falls, Pocatello, all of that. Had to go that's through all. That's what I would my, have done. That's what I did. It took a long time. Oh, there are very few roads uh, yeah. in Idaho, or that will get you to Idaho. You know, Alice, uh, I was I was really startled when you said that it's an eleven hour drive between one point in Idaho to another point in Idaho. I, I, yeah. I guess I think of having lived in Montana. I used to think of Idaho as like the Rhode Island of the West, um, but ridiculous. in fact, it is huge. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it not only huge; it has very little infrastructure, and that's one thing that's kind of good about it because it keeps people away. But uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's why it can still be rugged and beautiful, but. I mean, you pretty much the best way to get from northern Idaho to southern Idaho is to go through Washington and Oregon. So essentially to use other states' infrastructure budgets. Like, And there's only one northwest route, north-south route in Idaho, uh, which is Highway 95. And that's what uh, the governor of Idaho called the goat trail in the 70s or whatever. Um, like it, and they haven't improved it since. Um, it's horrifying. Oh, but God. we used to do it on like wire trips or whatever, and it was just just an endless trip. Yeah, but uh, so we went there. And that was a really our only big restaurant meal. We got there in time to go to a, a uh, one of the three or four uh, Bosque restaurants in Boise. Mm. Bosque. Yeah. What, what's that? Oh, 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 I see. I was thinking of the variety of pear. I would have pronounced that Basque, but that's incorrect. Or Hieronymus. They had three yeah. Bosque pear restaurants <laughs> yeah. and three uh, Bosque region restaurants. No Bartlett's and three, here. And three Hieronymus Bosch restaurants. I just saw a coyote run across the golf course. What do you know? Um, and had uh, lamb stew, which I think is what you get at those places. Um, Boise was nice, though. It's, uh, it's something between Missoula and Denver was my impression. You look out at the hills, it looks kind of like Missoula, but the town feels like a a uh, um, a uh, half a Denver. It's a half Denver. <laughs> but people ask, what's so special about the University of Montana creative writing program? And I think all, all three of us are graduates of it. Yep. Um, Alice has identified Nathan. There's another excellent reason why it's so excellent. And Professor Excellent, uh, who <laughs> gave up poetry to uh, to be a jazz pianist. Yeah, yeah. But I just received in the mail a big box yesterday from uh, someone that I met when I was passing through Missoula to read a Shakespeare and Company. 
who listens to the program. His name is Max. He's a fiction writer, graduated from the program, and lives in the house that I lived in on my most recent stay in Missoula that you visited, John. Sure. And and I've mentioned several times on the podcast that one of the great regrets of my life was having left a Le Creuset, uh cast iron skillet with green enameling um, at that house. Yeah, in yeah. The, in the uh, the little drawer at the bottom of the stove. Do we have Do we have follow up on this on this anecdote? Listener, he sent it to me. Oh, oh, fantastic. Uh, he uh, uh, he heard me mention it, and then uh, when I had had a couple of beers with him at the Union Hall, and I, I brought it up again, he said, "Well, I've never seen that." But then he said in his in his very nice letter that he realized that he had never looked in the the bottom drawer of the uh, the of the oven, and he opened it, and it was there. Many do not look in the bottom drawer of their uh, of their oven. So there's two lessons to be drawn from this. One is that it really is a special community around the University of Montana creative writing sure. program and its graduates. The second is, for God's sakes, look in that drawer. <laughs> Alice, you, you just moved into an apartment. I think we lost Alice. You move into yeah. an apartment. You move into a house. Look in that drawer. What wonders Can might you hear me you? now? Yeah. Hi, Alice. Yeah. I'm here. I don't know uh, if you could hear us, but we were talking about the, the drawer. Yeah, I could hear you. I think it's just my... My mic is a little bit funny from That's the right. move. Yeah. Everything got messed up when we moved to Boston. Everything. You, but moving, what, I mean, I, I've i moved so many times and you, it just, you know, don't, don't get attached to any belongings. It's like, I mean, it's like this La Cruzette thing, Ed, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You're going to break and lose everything, so just... But it might be returned to you. Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. only in Missoula, though. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember once in Missoula, well, my friend Mark, he told me that there's a fiction, like an introductory fiction um, exercise that's about a picnic where you're supposed to write all about a really wonderful picnic, you know, and then and all the nice things that could happen. And then you're supposed to write about a really horrible picnic and how everything could go wrong. Mm. And the point is that you should do both nice picnic things and bad picnic things in your story about the picnic, because in both of those cases, there's no tension and it's boring, you know? Mm -hmm. And once in Missoula, we had a picnic where, because my my buddies were going off to... uh, go backpacking. So we were giving, sending, giving them a send off in. And so we had a picnic, we ate fried chicken. Um, this was in the height of the summer in Missoula. We, um, like we, we played basketball, uh, like, uh, just, just had a gay old time. Then we were like, you know, what would make this perfect? This night perfect would be some ice cream. But the Big Dipper is a little bit far away. It's about a mile and a half away. But that's okay. We're going to walk there because we just really want ice cream. And then these people came over to us and they were like, hi, we're from the Missoula School, Rocky Mountain School of Photography. And we're having an ice cream social and we just have so much Big Dipper ice cream. (laughs) We don't think that we can eat it all. And so would you guys please eat some? And we were like... This is 
this is the picnic. This is the picnic from the story that <laughs> makes a bad story because it's just perfect. Uh, but that to me is very Missoula, like little, yeah. just a little charmed life. You know, when you want ice cream, ice cream is provided for you. Yeah, yeah. that's nice. That's how it was. How was the ice cream? Oh, it was good, you know? Yeah. They do they do a good job. Big Dipper the big- is the place on on Higgins, south of the of the bridge. Correct. Yeah. It's very yeah, much South Sixth West. Yeah. Yep. yep, yep. Mediocre, I think, but everyone yep. there loves it. I think because it is it, it, farther it, up. It appeared there when I was living on South Six West and um, uh, I'm remembering more about it now and it just had, you know, it was the one that was on my street. So that's for the same yeah. reason that Orange Street Food Farm was my supermarket. Mm, one of the best. It is the, it's the best. Yeah. yeah. Um, how's Boston? Oh, it sucks, you know, but I mean, really? It, I do, mean, do I'm not unhappy. I'm just saying, like, it's not really my cup of tea. Yeah. Are you finding things to eat? Uh. uh you, oh, you no, cut, we lost you, her. You again. cut out again. You cut out again, Alice. Come back. Or, or, or she, it's a difficult question. <laughs> can you hear me? <laughs> yeah, we can hear yeah. you. So, like, it's like um, everything here is pretty much for the parents of rich college students uh. who are visiting Cambridge or whatever, mm-hmm. because there's 50 colleges. So then everything is just kind of like a little fussy and expensive, but like not really that good mm. in terms of food. I'm being too negative about Boston. It's nice here. Um, like, but it's just a little bit, there's every, there's not really enough stuff. Like, there's a lot of people who live here, but it's kind of tiny. So, anything you want to do, there's going to be a line of like eight thousand people who are exactly like you, and then you you just hate them all because you want to <laughs> go, you want to go to the museum or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, hmm. Where where, where are you all living? What? Uh... We live in Somerville, which is north of Cambridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, we live very close to like Harvard. I like yeah. Somerville. Yeah, it's great. I mean, I like our neighborhood. Uh, hood. <laughs> likes her neighborhood. Well, maybe that wasn't what she was going to say. Well, here's some things she likes about the neighborhood. Um, it's got uh, uh, um, elaborate theater sets. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. And also... <laughs> the wrought iron squirrel work is lovely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Animal man hybrids mm-hmm. staffing uh, the lemonade stands. Oh yes, all the hybrids, the big um, yards, cyborgs. Yeah, <laughs> did you say cyborgs? Cyborgs. <laughs> oh, right. Cyborg sounds like like Jude Cyborg is like a a. <laughs> Jazz pianist. Yeah, yeah. Jude, Jude, Jude Thyborg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jude so, Fingers Thyborg. Yes. As opposed to Jude Thigh Fingerboard. His most inveterate um, competition. 
<laughs> his most invertebrate competition <laughs> is Jude No Bones. Um, <laughs> thigh fingerboard. Uh, thigh, thigh fingerboard. Yeah. yeah. Al- Alice probably doesn't know she's missing again, but she is. I got um, – yeah. I, I miss Alice to- a lot. I miss Alice all the time. Well, this is why she keeps coming and going. It's so that we can – our hearts can grow fonder – um, You're both on the East Coast. So many of my West Coasters have left the West Coast for the East Coast lately. I'm, I'm, we're feeling a little bereft out here. Well, we're coming. We're coming back as soon as possible. That's. It, 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 I don't know if Dan knows that, but no. <laughs> do you, do you guys want to return to Missoula, or um, are there, is there someplace else that you have got your eye on? Well, overall, of course, Missoula is a little a little dream in my heart, but um, I've got to be like getting a job because, you know, I sold my book. And so ostensibly, that's the thing that I do next. And I would love to have like a university job in, mm. in nonfiction, probably. So uh, kind of take it where I can get it. But yeah, and that's a thing that actually still exists. Right. Yeah, there. Um, do you as opposed to this poetry stuff, Alice? Is there any sense? Do you have any sense that there's growth in the idea of a nonfiction MFA? It seemed to when when Ed and I were in school, it was kind of the it was kind of the uh, you know the the forgotten step cousin. But um, but essays have become much more popular, and I wonder if programs are adding nonfiction uh, nonfiction programs. Oh, for sure. I think so. I mean, I don't know if. I don't know how you can, I don't think there's any kind of like boom, but I think that, yeah, lots more programs are adding nonfiction faculty and, and hiring than before. I think because of like, yeah, the internet writing boom and Mm. Mm -hmm. whatever, all these essay collections that have come out recently. Yeah. Well, I'm excited for yours. How's uh, your, uh, I, I gathered from, some posts that uh, you feel like you're behind. Oh yes, I am behind, but I'm kind of a, I don't know. I guess I'm, I'm definitely a bit of a procrastinator. So I just have to kind of think that it will get done, but this whole Donald Trump thing has really thrown me for a loop in terms of writing. Did, I don't did something, know how, did something happen with Donald Trump? Um, you cut out again, Alice. I, um, and a- <laughs> My Alice- questions are too provocative. They're they're causing her to, to hit her microphone as if I am oh. the microphone. Yeah. Hi. I just unplug the microphone and then plug it back <laughs> in, I and then it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Alice, your friend um, Emily Jones, the writer Emily Jones, tweeted a while back, a couple of months ago, something along the lines of. I'm not so sure about this guy, Donald Trump. <laughs> and she just, and every, every couple of weeks, she just retweets it. <laughs> yeah. She says, like, there's something off about this Trump guy. Yeah, that's it. There's something <laughs> off about him. <laughs> there's something off about him. I know my little brother tweeted, like, I seemingly drunkenly tweeted, the other day, these like bizarre, funny tweets where he said, "Not to belabor the point, but I can't believe Don Trump was elected prez." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Alice, you did it too. You were like a couple weeks ago. You're like, guys, I really don't want Donald <laughs> Trump to be president. <laughs> I really don't. I yeah. don't like him whatsoever. No. I don't like him a bit. I don't like him one bit. 
But it turns out that the real president is going to be Russia. Yeah. yeah. So that's, <laughs> at least there's that. They have Dostoevsky. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. And uh, what was the Russian metal band? They had a heavy metal band. I think they had more than one. No, just one. <laughs> the, the state metal band? <laughs> yeah. The Russian state metal band. That was the name <laughs> of the band. <laughs> the, the official Soviet metal band was the name. Um, they're pretty good. Unplug and plug in, Alice. Um, yeah, well, I'm not... I knew it was... I was like... It's broken as fuck. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right. It's it brings a certain rhythm to the to the show. It's good. So yeah, good. I'm not happy about any of this either, but it seems to be getting Here's the thing. Here's my This is this has been my kind of um cognitive dilemma over the past couple of months is that every new thing that happens seems crazier than anything that's ever happened in my life. And yet People seem not to have any reaction to it whatsoever, and I've lost track of I've lost track of how important things are. Like this, the latest revelations that the CIA has con- is confirming that in fact Russia not only interfered with the election but tried to tried to throw it to Trump. I kind of thought we all already knew that. And yeah, we knew that. People are acting surprised about it. But like no one, maybe two Republicans have supported looking, in, even one. investigating it. I think Mc, McCain jumped on the train this oh, morning. Good. So yeah, um, McCain and Lindsey Graham both hate Russia, which is good. Yeah, for us, for but our it's, purposes. It's like these are things that just recently would be like bigger than Watergate. You know, I think oh. our friend Laurel said, "Is this?" Is this is is this the most shocking thing that's happened since the Kennedy assassination? But but the fact is, I don't know because people's reactions are so peculiar. It's almost like everyone is in a dream state and everything is of equal. Do you, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know. The, I know the feeling and the the response. But this is the this is big. This is I don't know. I've uh, have you written your letters? Got to write your letters. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, I was. I've been letters calling. Letters and calls. Yeah, letters and calls. I think it's a thing where, like, Republicans in Congress just want to take away poor people's health care so much. Yeah, that they'll do anything. They'll do literally anything. They're like, whatever. <laughs> we'll sell our country to Russia. Who cares? I want to get rid even of a sale. There's not even a sale. It's just a giving. We'll hand it to them. Yeah. Well, here are some here are some Russian heavy metal musical groups. Okay. Um, Abominable, Abominable Putridity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Chorny Kof. <laughs> That's Chorny Kof. <laughs> yeah. Dark Princess. Dark yeah. Princess. Good. The Arrow. The Arrow. The Arrow. Black obelisk. Nice. Illidians. Are you sure that's not one of your friend's daughter's <laughs> imaginary so. friends? Illidians. Uh, Maverick. Scoffender. 
Tears of Mankind. Yeah. Z-Nun, which is Xenon with none. Z-N-O-N-E in all caps. Yeah, yeah. Z-Nun. Yeah, yeah. And Mechanical Poet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Mechanical Poet. Oh, that's fantastic. They're on on hiatus. (laughs) (laughs) what was it abominable putridians abominable putridity putridity i like it it's like disgusting badness (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah it's a good name yeah Yeah, uh, (laughs) state chamber music Oh, that's so good. I love it. We've got a Christmas album. Really? No. <laughs> Man, you're just you're just you're just filling us with false hopes, buddy. Yeah. Well, I'm full of false news. Really? Yeah, okay. fake news. I have a lot of fake news. Yeah. I love that the only- Pope came out and said, No, don't do fake news. It's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it's lies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Pope came out against lying. Great. Yeah. <laughs> he was like this scourge of fake news. Do not do upon your brothers the news of falsity. And let not also it do upon itself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Hillary Clinton, she gave her speech about fake news. I feel like it's like, can we call it something not so Fun. Yeah. Fake news sounds fun. That's what John Stewart used to call himself. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I mean it's like propaganda. Like I've heard of that, you know, or bullshit, you know, or yeah. clickbait. All those things are real. Yeah, those are words. Fake news. Useful. I mean, sounds like, I guess, but you know, I don't know. It's the way the apocalypse works. Yeah. Well, well there, I'm sure there's, there's more surprises in store. For I don't, sure. I, I don't, don't doubt that one bit. <laughs> but I want to hear more about Alice and da- Alice's um, Boston adventure. And I want to know what she's using to cook food with uh, in Boston, as well. Well, um, we are our oven is not working, as far as we know. We tried it once, but then and it didn't work, and so then we didn't want to try it again because we didn't want to kill ourselves with gas. So we've been using the crock pot almost mm. exclusively, and it's been wonderful. We have lots of good recipes. Oh, I make good pork chops in the crock pot. I make a roast. I make lots of soups. Yeah, pulled pork in a in a crock pot is is heaven. Yeah, that's good. Good stuff. Yeah. The. I love soup. Dan isn't as big a soup eater as me. Like I would eat soup every meal really, but um yeah, the crock pot, I love it. I wish we had an oven, but does any old um thrift shop crock pot do are they just re are they they just repackaging the same device over and over again in in, in different variations like uh, or or is there one that does the job best? It's just a matter well, of size. Uh, here's the thing. Uh, me and Dan have been watching this show, America's Test Kitchen. Are you guys familiar with it? Uh, I'm not a devotee of it, but I've seen it. So it's hosted by a horrible nerd named Chris Kimball, and they 
make food and they say, oh, this is the best possible way because we tested all the different ways, you know, and it's kind of a stupid gimmick. But so they've done it's in it has 16 seasons this show so they do the same thing over and over again and they've talked about crock pots a million times but the thing is like their equipment tester he's a very like um he's a very affable california guy named adam reed and he always is like well we tried out these like colanders and um they all were great like he he kind of just <laughs> even though like the ostensibly he, they're supposed to be very discerning and say which one is worth your money like he always is like, these all worked just fine. But like, if you want one, go for this one. But so he's done the crock pot one like a million times. And every time he's just like, these are all great. Like whatever. <laughs> um, so I don't know. That made me just be like, okay, so just buy like one at the thrift store. Who cares? You know I mean? It reminds me of the guy I've, I tell this anecdote all the time because it, it's it is a particular it it's a particular kind of pigheadedness that's always been totally bewildering to me, uh, and that is super unhelpful. There was a guy who used to work at a video store near my house here in Ithaca, and um, he was wa- there was a movie I had was thinking about renting that he was watching. It was on the you know the house TV, and I said, mm-hmm. uh, "I've been thinking of renting this. What do you think? Do you like it?" And he just kind of shrugged and said, I, I just like movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Well, that's good to know. That's good to know. Because you can pick up a Crock-Pot for five bucks at Goodwill anytime. Yeah. And, uh, but then I think, well, maybe I should get a new one at Target. Maybe the, they're safer or better or more efficient or cook more evenly or something. Um, and, uh, you know. So, they might. Be, but I mean, because it's the thing where the crock pot is very inexact tool. You know, all it does is it like the only difference between the low and high setting is how long it takes to boil water. And like for low, it takes four hours, or on low, it takes like six hours, and on high, it takes like three hours or something. So it's like you're this is really not, you know, yeah, some perfect. Yeah, some some perfect perfect <laughs> some perfect. I think the the, the crockpot is a pretty safe technology. People often they're often too big. I think that's the mistake that people make is they get uh, okay. crockpots that are too large. <clears throat> I've never had, um, and then things get uh, things seem meager. As you. Because the crock pot is too large, like yeah. in comparison. Like this roast, this won't feed us. <laughs> There's no way that this small roast could feed us. Look at look at it and, there. And it's will. but a, it's but a speck. Yeah, and they take up a lot of space. I love my crock pot, but it it uh, it's always competing for space with the the mix with the KitchenAid. I've got yeah. um the apartment I'm living in has got um a handy. Well, it's not handy, as I will tell you in a moment, but it has a very long, stretching the whole length of the kitchen above the sink, above the, above the, uh, um, uh, the, you know, the, the shelves for, uh, the pantry shelves or the shelves for glassware or what have you. There's a long shelf that's above everything where ostensibly you should be able to store, uh, appliances you only occasionally use, such as a food processor or a bread maker or something. Except that it is 
half an inch too too small for anything to fit there. Yeah. <laughs> so we have that too, and we do keep stuff up there. But I just picture, I can just have morbid fantasies about the crock pot falling down upon my head and killing me. <laughs> Uh, every time I try, like, so I try to get Dan to get stuff for me off is there. That, but is that but what you're I, worrying I about? Always. Is that what you're worrying about in 2016, Alice? <laughs> hey, I can't lead the resistance if <laughs> I'm dead from a crockpot in- injury. Remember, <laughs> <laughs> we, we used to have a remote control car. <laughs> yeah, we used to have a remote control car. Where is it? Um, I don't know. I think I might know where it is. We'll find it later, okay? Look at, look at that smiley guy. The, who is that smiley guy? Look know. at that smiley guy. Is that John? That's John. Oh, wait, you can see me? No, just, just the um. Oh, just, just the, the picture, yeah. I'm the smiley guy. Who's that guy. mysterious? Oh, he meant the, there's, a, there's a, like a smiley face on the side. Oh, okay. Yeah. not always smiling at No, that. no. I'm, Who's I'm, that, mis- that mysterious lady half in shadow? Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's me. <laughs> no, it's Alice. Are, I ju- are you right? Hmm? I picture I'm that as a to Alice and John on the microphone as a, as a book as a book blur. But they can't move. They can't move. They've been paralyzed by a Skype wasp <laughs> laying their its eggs in them. I'm joking. No, I could see them move. We decided just to make pictures instead of uh, moving pictures. Oh. <laughs> These are good explanations, Ed. Yeah. yeah, I'm full of good explanations. Hello. So, did you did you find your um? Is there anything in the in the today's calendar? Yeah, it was raging, and the round feet guy, but he's a Star Wars round feet. Oh. Okay. oh, I'm going to finish up here. Well, when you're done. Yeah, when I'm done. Okay. <laughs> There's a little car. Sorry about that, guys. Thanks, Jill. Dan and I love it when Oscar talks on the podcast, like the time when he said, I love it. (laughs) Sometimes things are too Pisces. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, that's actually, he provided maybe our best title ever, Butter is Too Pisces. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I actually have, uh, uncharacteristically, I am prepared and have a bunch of links and concepts and foods and ideas to discuss. May, may I? Yeah, we're a little late now. You got to bring them up. Yeah, yeah. So first of all, pork roll. Uh, there was an episode, I'll link to it in the notes. There's an episode of the podcast, uh, The Sporkful, that WNYC produces, and it's about food. And uh, there's an episode about pork roll, which is a New Jersey phenomenon. It's kind of a spiced uh, meat product um, uh, that it's a little bit like spam, uh, but it has some sort of s- sweetness and nutmeggy kind of flavor to it as well as as well as a salty kind of richness to it. And you slice it; it comes in like a comes in a in a fat salami like configuration. And you slice it and you fry it, and then the traditional sandwich that you eat with it is a slice of fried pork roll, a cheese, a fried egg on a Kaiser roll. 
And I'm already, I've already done something controversial, which was to call it pork roll because half of New Jersey calls it pork roll and the other half calls it Taylor ham. And people are aggressively opinionated about this and they don't, they tend not to even accept the existence of the other name. And the county I come from, Warren County, is a little tiny pork roll island inside um, uh, Taylor Ham country. Uh, sort of like, is it a class d- d- difference? Taylor Ham sounds a little fancier. Is it a fanciness? I don't think it is, actually. Um, S- South Jersey is mostly... Uh, am I getting this right? South Jersey is pork roll country. North Jersey is Taylor Ham country. And none of us are classy in any way. Um, <laughs> but uh, I actually... I hadn't eaten it, eaten it in years. And and the reason is that the one of the two companies that makes this product, the two there are two companies that make it. They're similar but slightly different. They're both pretty good. Um, one is Mattel, and the other is <laughs> is Kenner. Uh, yeah, is X, which is uh, formerly um, Blackwater. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one, no, one of the companies is called Taylor. So okay. they, but the ta- but Taylor. Pork roll says pork roll on it, but it also says Taylor. So, uh, in general, pork roll is the it is in theory the generic term, and then Taylor is a brand name. But people don't see it see it that way. Um, so yeah, it says it will say t- Taylor. Like I, can, I have one in the fridge, but I can't look at it right now. But um, t- it says like Taylor pork roll. Um, you know, just something meat, cured meat product or something. Um, but, uh, and I think they're the dominant brand, but the other brand is also popular. So, so if you come to New to Jersey, have- I, I recommend that you go to any, any supermarket in New Jersey and literally one mile over the state line, you will not find it. It's just, you just don't find it outside New Jersey, which is very odd to me. I think most regional things kind of leech over borders yeah. um, pretty freely, but pork roll doesn't seem to. So you were, you were yeah, saying, I, I'm, I'll look at the market basket today when I'm when I'm out and about and see if I can find a pork roll. <laughs> okay, all right, good luck. <laughs> if you find it, I'll be delighted. I, I'm not. I, w- I would like it to be outside New Jersey, but it does, doesn't seem to catch on. Does it have to have a fried egg? On it as a sandwich? No, no, no. You can eat it. You can eat it without. I my mother used to make it for us. The one thing that has disappointed me is the 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 one you find the most is now pre-sliced. It comes in like a a shrink wrapped package, the way you might find um, you know expensive lunch meat. Um, how but, how thickly do you slice it? Well, I think you should slice it like about three eighths of an inch. To half an inch thick, um, pretty thick, pretty thick. In other words, so it yeah. gets it's already cooked. Like you can eat it straight out of the fridge. Not that it's, it's much less delicious that way. Um, so the the middle of it stays very juicy, and it gets and it gets gets hot, um, and the outside crisps crisps up really nicely, and you get both flavors at once. My mom used to slice it really thin and fry it really hard, so it was like a almost a stiff, crunchy puck. Um, but uh, yeah, which I which so I this also... is definitely got a. It's I'm looking at pictures. It's got sort of a bologna esque look, yeah, like but, a bologna sandwich. Yeah, it doesn't taste like bologna though, and it's always eaten hot. 
I'm, well, I'm sure people eat it right out of the fridge, but well, like a fried bologna sandwich, it kind of seems like a maybe, maybe similar. I don't maybe. Okay, yeah. I haven't tried it. No, no, no. It, it, it's it is. Uh, I think you could call it a bologna variant. I think its particular mix of spices though sets it apart and puts it in a slightly different category. But you got the right idea. Okay. Yeah. So, other thing. Um, <laughs> Ed, I feel like you and I talked about this once, but I, I couldn't find, I couldn't figure out which episode or if I'm just making it up. But uh, do you guys know the writer Josh Frulinger? No, no. He's uh, on on Twitter, and uh, uh, he seems to be a, a writer and comics critic, and maybe cartoonist. Is it his his Twitter? I'll I'll link to him. His Twitter uh, um, avatar is what looks like a very very unhappy version of himself uh, reading the newspaper. Um, you just something is being sent to me. It's a screenshot. Oh, okay. Of a fifty-nine dollar uh, Taylor Ham. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's expensive. Yeah, it was just when I googled it. That was on like Google Shopping or whatever. I was like, "Is that how much it costs?" <laughs> no, no, it's not. I mean, it's. I think it's like eight bucks for a big, you know, a, a pound or two uh, container. So he, this guy, tweeted uh, a couple weeks ago. Reminder that the Wikipedia McDonaldland article is four thousand words long and super fucked up. <laughs> and then he he starts. He starts quoting things with commentary. He starts screenshotting it with commentary. And here's the he, he screenshots here the definition for Grimace. A large purple monster-like character who was first introduced in November 1971 as the evil Grimace. McDonald says he is the embodiment of a milkshake. <laughs> in Grimace's first three appearances, he was depicted with two pairs of arms with which to steal milkshakes. Evil was soon dropped from Grimace's name, and Grimace was reintroduced in 1972 as one of the good guys. In 1974, Grimace was redesigned, going from two pairs of arms to the single pair he had later. And then Verlinger comments, why would he need to steal milkshakes if he himself embodied a milkshake? Did he absorb yeah. the stolen shakes to become larger and more powerful? And then here's, an, here's another quote that he screenshots um the characters <laughs> the character's uncle <laughs> O'Grimacy, first appeared in 1978 and would visit only one month per year around saint patrick's day bringing shamrock shakes additional sure. family sure. were revealed in a mcdonald land vhs tape the legend of grimace island <laughs> and frulinger says this is basically the videotape from the ring right <laughs> but i highly recommend uh perusing the mcdonald land wikipedia page which is so f filled with bizarre like you it's it's just all this bizarre back history where oh my god oh my god alice that's disgusting yeah i just yeah. i found the picture with the, yeah with the two sets of arms two sets of arms shakes. Yeah, one of he's like squeezing. He doesn't know how to use them very well, so like he's crushing his upper right arm, his like driver's side, passenger side arm. He's crushing like a a strawberry shake 
and it's rushing out, to, I think, I to greet the, the sun, or the sun is drawing it into itself. <laughs> I love that the artists were like, we want to embody a milkshake. How can we do it? Milkshakes are amorphous. We'll just make it a blob. Instead of yeah. just giving him a cup, you know? <laughs> yeah. Just make him like, a cup. That's the obvious thing to do. They were like, milkshakes are liquid. We'll just have to make a strange purple blob that everyone will know is a milkshake, obviously. Yeah. And also, there's a lot of value in non-participation with evil. <laughs> I think refusing to draw it would have been the most ethical, <laughs> ethical choice. <laughs> well, someone else will just draw it then. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll make this horrible monstrosity. I'll make this abomination. God, yeah. Grimace. I love that so it's like an Grimace. insect. Is this German in some way, or it's just American? <laughs> every way, every way. <laughs> That's a tr- it's a. Tr- I'm sorry, but when I look at these, or especially the early characters, they just look so German to me, like, like H.R. Puff and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you, it's amazing how many discontinued characters there are. Like the professor. Who, who have we lost? Who have we lost? We've lost the professor. I'll play some music in the background um, <laughs> as you go through the roster. He was introduced. <laughs> Fry kids. The hamburger patch. Trash cans. Uncle O'Grimacy. Cosmic. The McNugget buddies. Bernice. Wait, wait, wait. You've got to listen to Bernice. This is all that is said about Bernice, a strange creature that was introduced in 1992. She ate inedible things, like the script in the three-part Ronald McDonald making movies commercial. Wow. There's a vulture. (laughs) Sunday. Ian Hungry. <laughs> Mike, the microphone. <laughs> All right, I got one other thing I want to mention. Okay, this reminds me, though, of something. But tell me if I've talked about this on the podcast before. What? I don't know if you'll remember, but I don't want to be... I don't want to become one of these people who talks about the same shit on the podcast every time. You mean the thing you've been criticizing us for for years? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, You're already there, Alice. What are you criticizing this about? Hey, what you you got? uh, (laughs) What's your problem with uh, the way we do our podcast? (laughs) Like, I once made a master list of my favorite sentences in the Skipper Wikipedia article from Barbie, which was clearly written by, like, a crazy... Skipper super fan. Uh, and it is also very, very uh, detailed, but kind of, but much in a much more addled and crazy way. Uh, hold on. I'm going to unplug and replug. Sure. Okay, here. Okay, so I'll, I'll send you my list. This is from December 28th, 2012. <laughs> okay. Uh, that I made the list. So who knows what the, the, Wikipedia article may have improved since then. Um, Okay. Midge's facial appearance was gentler than Barbie's, whereas Skipper was a 
response to requests that wanted Barbie to have children. However, instead of having a married, pregnant Barbie, which would make her too domestic, Barbie would babysit Skipper. (laughs) Many collectors believe that the pizza party head mold was the most popular, if not the prettiest, (laughs) version of Skipper. (laughs) Skipper also appeared to have larger breasts, which continued the sexual past controversy that has followed Skipper for years. (laughs) Skipper's friends at the vintage stage were Scooter, 1965, Ricky, 1965, Living Fluff, 1971, (laughs) and Pose and Play Tiff, 1972. Living Fluff, kind of like a grimace Uh shaped. Fluff and Tiff shared a head mold, which many collectors think is adorable, with a contagious smile. (laughs) Teen Skipper was originally going to have a third boyfriend named Zach, who would have joined her in her totally yo- in the totally yo-yo line, but for reasons unknown, he was never produced. <laughs> Parents speculate that Zach would be too much of a sexual influence on Skipper and children. <laughs> <laughs> According to the Random House novels of the 1960s, Skipper is the second oldest child of the fictional George and Margaret Roberts of Willows, Wisconsin, their first child said to be Barbie. (laughs) 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 The box of the first Kevin doll, Skipper's second boyfriend that was sold, Cool Tops Kevin, describes Skipper as the most popular girl in school. This probably led to this both led to both the speculation and joke that Barbie was most likely Skipper's mother. <laughs> you know this this sounds this sounds like the first chapter of a true crime, right? Yeah. <laughs> like the yeah. murders begin in chapter three. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love the ones where um, the many collectors believe uh, kind of we- yeah. weasel words or whatever. <laughs> yeah. uh, the pizza party head mold was the most popular, if not the prettiest version of Skipper. <laughs> uh, it's clearly just the opinion of the of the writer who correct figures. Yeah. Who else? Who's going to disagree? Who's going to contradict me? I dare you. I'm not even going to go to the the Wikipedia page. I don't. If they, it's been if it's been um, depersonalized, I don't. I don't want to see it. I love that it's just this like person who clearly is an authority on Skipper, but also has many opinions about <laughs> Skipper. <laughs> Who's written this? Yeah, it's like somebody's response to the Warren Report. <laughs> <laughs> okay, John, what's your what's your final uh, topic? Oh, it, it's not as fun as these, but I do think people. I think it will improve people's lives, and that is, um, I made scones for the first time last week, um, and the recipe I use is very easy and spectacularly delicious, and it's uh, the dreamy cream scones recipe from uh, Smitten Kitchen, which I'll put in a link to. Um, all that's in them is uh, flour. Baking powder, sugar, salt, uh, chilled butter, currants, and cream. And uh, they are... And dreams. Oh, they're full of dreams. <laughs> it's just, they, just, they just float float into your mouth like a cloud. Um, and I actually went out and bought a... Uh, I didn't have a pastry blender. You know, the, the thing with the handle and the five blades on it that you... I was used to do that with my hands, but it's it was spectacularly satisfying to do it with a pastry blender. It turned it turned it into a 
a delicious uh, uh, the what would you what would you call it? like like new fallen snow, really good. So these like, look very good. Yeah, they're they're great, and I I I cut them into triangles, and that also worked. I like a triangle scone better than a round scone because the cor- there's the one corner that is at a more acute angle than the others, and it's the crunchiest corner. Mm-hmm. And thus, mm-hmm. it's my favorite part That's of the right. scone, and that doesn't exist on a round scone. So. Oh, scones are a little, little weird. Sense of form. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if scones are good. Hey, this is from the America's <laughs> Test Kitchen cookbook. Oh yeah, yeah, it is actually, and I think she altered it slightly, but um, but yes, it is. Do you recommend that cookbook? So, Do you have it? No, I just watched <laughs> the show. Okay, okay. Um, but uh. I mean, I don't really, I guess I use cook, I just sort of try to do my own thing, because usually I don't have any of the ingredients or equipment that they want me to use, so I just, like, do whatever I want mm-hmm. in terms of recipes. Like a pastry sleeve, or a, yeah. Russian, a Russian colander. Right. A, <laughs> yeah, really all, Russian, stone. all Russian colanders are pretty good. Yeah, they're made of. Yeah, lead. they're all. It's like they all. They're all. These all worked amazing. I love them all. Broccoli stone. Yeah. <laughs> broccoli stone. Yeah. I mean, it makes stone. the bro- like you can make broccoli without it, but <laughs> <laughs> you have a broccoli stone, like amazing. Just... It's not the test kitchen way. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, um, the the uh, the the cooking show that I got hooked on. Um, and I only have not watched more of because I don't I don't want to pay for Hulu is um, uh, Top Chef. Mm. I think that's a marvelously absorbing and entertaining uh, TV show. Master Chef is also good, and yeah. Master Chef Baby, the ones with children who are the Master Chefs. No. Uh huh. It's really? and they're way better at cooking than the adults. They're like amazing. All right. Um, I'm looking that up. Ma- Baby Master Chef. It's called Master Chef Junior. Okay, Master. They're Chef amazing, Junior. and it's kind of like the the judges can't really be as mean. Where on a, <laughs> a grown up Master Chef, they'll like throw people's food in the trash and yeah. stuff like that. <laughs> but like with Kid Master Chef, they have to be like, "You tried. <laughs> Go away now, Una." The one of them was named Una. I remember. Oh my god! The top the top photo. Uh, the top photo on here is. Uh, um. Uh, is Gordon Ramsay the host? Um, he's on it. He's one of the judges. I adore him, but so he doesn't get to swear. No, he has to be a little. But he's sweet. Like he gets to yeah. be a little bit nice to them. Good. I would like to see that. I I adore him. And uh, yeah, this looks this looks great. It's amazing. I'll watch these the pictures. Look. Actually, if you look at the Google images for it, it's like these kids are hilarious. I haven't seen every season. Okay, awesome. they look very stressed out. Yeah, the phrase the phrase they use when people get kicked off the show on uh, Top Chef is they address the person by name. They say so and so, pack up your knives and go. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so every every episode it's so sad. It's like it, it's as though they're being sacrificed to the volcano god or something. Mm-hmm. It's so respectful. It's scaled. respectful to say their name, though. I mean, that's yeah. 
Yeah, just make to make no mistake. I'm talking to you. You're the one who's yeah. going oh, to Oh, I thought now. you were talking to... No. Oh, it's me. No, no, no. Yeah, I was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, what? I like what, how me? On, America, on America's Next Top Model, they have the clunkiest final spiel that the judge says, where, you know, on Project Runway, they say, you're either you're in or you're out. And then they say, uh, you're out, you know, whatever. Yeah. At the end, to the person who's going. But on America's Next Top Model, Tyra says, I have five pictures in my hands, and these are the pictures of the people, of the girls who are still in the running to be America's Next Top Model. Yeah. Did everyone just die? No, I'm, 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 I'm waiting to find out what happened. I'm here, I'm here. Oh, oh, hi. She says, every time she says, I have 12 pictures in my hands, and these pictures represent the girls who are still in the running to be America's Next Top Model. And then she says the people's names. But it's like, like you feel I feel like they could have condensed that eventually well, she did for 20 seasons but she said that every single episode yeah oh, I, I definitely want to take a red pen to that sentence yeah and she could be and eventually she says it very obviously very you know quickly in this perfunctory way because everyone knows this is a famous catchphrase you know <laughs> Yeah, there are twelve pictures in my hands, and these pictures yeah. represent the girls yeah. who are still in the running to be America's Next so, Top Model. So, so she show, so she reads the names, and then whose ever name doesn't get read is the person who has to leave. Right. So in the end, she has two pictures in her hands, or she only has one picture in her hands, and then she hands the picture to the person who's still in the running to be America's Next Top Model, and then the other girl has to go home. Okay. 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 That's that's complicated. Yeah, I mean, but it works, I guess. Amazing. I the mean, loser knows, show, as long as the loser finds out. Right. And yeah. it's that she can kind of also, the thing is, she can kind of fake you out where she sort of starts to give the picture to somebody and then gives it yeah. to someone else. Or she'll turn it around and show whose picture it is. You know, so it's visual, not just verbal yeah. ceremony. Very good. So we're... Uh... We're we're getting around wrap up time. Do you guys want to recommend uh, eats and reads? I can't now. I can't hear. You can't hear. Can't. Hello. <laughs> oh, Alice. We can hey, hear you. Alice. Hear you. Hello. Hello. Oh, can you hear me? This is, this is so sad. Oh. Sure. Sure. It'll, it'll, guys. It'll... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Alice. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hello, I'm, Alice. I'm going to kick her off the call and bring her back. I'm hanging up on her. Dang, that's cold. And then I'm going to add her. Okay, add Alice. I'm going to try this. And meanwhile, Ed, do you have anything? Beetlebone by Kevin Barry. Yeah. Do you know this book? No. I've got two Irish books I'm reading. Uh, Beetlebone, which is sort of about John Lennon. Hello. Hi. Oh. You can hear us now? Yeah. Good. There we go. Very Hi, Alice. Um, we're uh, recommending uh, books and books and, and food. Uh, two, book, two books. Uh, Beetlebone by Kevin. They're both Irish. Uh, Beetlebone by Kevin Barry. And Pond by Claire Louise Bennett. Yeah. Both got them on my... Uh, um, their recommendations from uh, a friend in Missoula. And got them at Shakespeare and Company and read them on the road. Uh, Are they novels? Delightful. Both novels. Both excellent. Uh, Kevin Barry is, I believe, a, uh, a Grey Wolf, um, Grey Wolf writer, but I don't know if Grey Wolf published this one. No, this is Anchor. Yeah. 
And uh, Pond is on uh, your old friend's Riverhead. Very good, very good. John, do you have? Did you have some recommendations that I missed? No, I hadn't said any. The only um, I'm mostly. Uh, been watching television for for many months, <laughs> but I did read. I I, ha, I had some I had some deadlines looming for stuff to write, so I had to get to work, and I decided to uh, actually de- dedicate myself to reading books um, recreationally to get into the mindset. And I read the new um, uh, the new Rachel Cusk Transit. Um, oh. Which I I really adore. Um, it's sort of a spiritually kind of a sequel to Outline. It's in the same kind of rambling, um, like transcribed dialogue, heavy, um, almost fa- fantastical and conversational mode. Um, and I just adore her. And the book the book that I am reviewing, I just handed in the review, is one of the worst. Certainly, the worst book I've ever reviewed. It was eight <laughs> hundred and sixty six pages long. Oh um, no. And every moment of it was excruciating. Um, and and pick, putting that down and picking up the cusk was just like her. The quality of her noticing is so extraordinary and refreshing. And uh, I always, I think she's just getting better and better and weirder and weirder. So, well, I got to read it. Reading it, yeah. And I look forward that... to reading your review of the long bad book. <laughs> oh boy, oh, me too. Yeah. I'll be I will be eagerly awaiting what yeah. it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <it's>... Uh, <laughs> the book that I recommend to everyone is uh is it called Nothing is True and Everything is Possible by Peter Pomerantsev? Oh my god, this book is crazy. You guys have to read it. It's a non-fiction book about this guy who it's about it's called like about the surreal heart of contemporary russia or something but this guy worked in the tv stations in russia because he's he's uh he's english and it's just sort of about how bizarre and fucked up like this 21st century dictatorship is um it's so good it's a page turner but it's also like okay this is where we gotta we gotta be boning up a little bit (laughs) (laughs) sure oh shit (laughs) Okay, but great. I highly recommend it. I think it would make a good gift, too. <laughs> okay. Yeah. A good primer. A primer. Yeah. yeah. Just buy it for I've... everyone. Everyone on your list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will. I will. All right. Well, you want to wrap okay. this up, guys? Well, it's been good talking to all you guys. It's yeah. Good, uh, here, Alice, and I'll see you uh, See you later you this see? week in Omaha, Nebraska. Omaha, so Nebraska. I'm very sure. envious. Make sure to, 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 to internet from there so that I can see you guys together. Sure, we'll take okay. some snaps. All right, great. See you later, guys. Okay. We'll Bye. do a Are you hungry for lunch? Well, then let's have lunch. Do you want some lunch? Well, then we'll give you some lunch. Do you have a hankering for lunch? Well, then come to lunch. Because it's time for lunch. Box with Angel. That's right, it's time for love.